Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity and privilege we have to be at camp meeting. What a life-changing experience camp meeting is. The seminars, the, the evening and morning speakers, uh, every aspect of it is just imbued with the Spirit of God. And as your word is taught and contemplated, Lord, we can sense the change happening in our own heart. And I pray that there's a change even now that's taking place in those who are gathered in this room and that each one will be motivated, inspired, and compelled to get involved even in an even greater way in the cause of God that you have um, blessed us with and blessed us to be a part of. If the cause in which we are engaged means anything, it means everything. And we pray that you would help us to give it our whole heart. So bless Stacy as she presents and each one here as they take time to learn and, and to be ready to give Bible studies themselves. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. All right. Got one extra handout for my friend Kim. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we're so glad you're here. And... Let me just give you a little preview of what I'm planning on doing the next three days. This is not a repeat session. I do have th three separate topics. Today, I'm mostly gonna be focusing on the need for a Bible study reformation in our church, for more people to be involved in this very important work, and what can happen when that happens. <laughs> Um, I'm also going to talk today about how to actually find a Bible study, how to get a Bible study started. Tomorrow is just going to be focused on actually giving a Bible study. Now, there are many different types of Bible studies. Um, I'm going to focus mostly on how to give a, a sit-down, one-on-one personal Bible study. And then Friday, I'm taking the entire day to talk about how to gain decisions in Bible studies. Because I think that's really important. You can take a person all the way through a series of studies, but if you don't know how to gain decisions along the way or deal with objections and questions and all their fears and all those challenges that they're having and following what they're hearing about, um, you won't have a harvest. So we're going to talk about that and how to deal with some of those kind of scenarios that you can run to. So those are what I'm planning on doing over these next three days, and um, hopefully you can make it to every one of them. So let's begin by just reviewing something that you're already familiar with, I'm pretty sure, and that's the term Grow Michigan. You know, it's the theme of camp meeting. I think it was camp meeting's theme last year as well. But here is just um, Grow Michigan in a synopsis. Grow Michigan is an aggressive but balanced evangelistic strategy to help churches grow spiritually and numerically. It employs the agricultural growth cycle used by Jesus that's emphasizing that evangelism is not an event, but a process in which every step is essential to the success. So you've seen this chart um, here with the five stages, prepare, plant, cultivate, harvest, and preserve. In this seminar, we're gonna be focusing on the cultivation stage, and that's why it's called cultivating interest through Bible studies, because it's the cultivate phase where Bible study ministry really happens. Now, it says in Christian service, every member is to be a soul winner. Let ministers teach church members that in order to grow in spirituality, they must carry the burden the Lord has laid on them, the burden of leading souls into the truth. Now, it's interesting in this quotation, it's telling us that the Lord has put a burden on us. 
not the pastors, the Lord has. And what is his burden? It's the burden of leading souls into the truth. Okay? So this is the work that we're being called to do. This is, this is at its core a Bible study ministry. And the role of church of ministers is to help the church members realize that if they want to grow spiritually, they need to take up this burden that the Lord is putting on us. We should live in this world to win souls to the Savior. And that's Christian Service, page 270. So let's look here at these five steps of the growth cycle um, of growing crops and compare them to making disciples. So the first stage is prepare, plant, cultivate, harvest, and preserve. So on the right column, you see what each of these stages represent. Preparing is preparing that soil, getting the hearts ready. We would call this usually friendship evangelism, okay? It's that um, felt needs. It's ministering to people's physical needs and emotional needs. It's, it's building relationships with them. It's ministering to them. And then that leads to the planting stage and where we're planting the seed. And according to the Bible, the seed represents the Word of God, right? So it's where we start to introduce the truth to them in some way. So that might be through um, some glow tracks or it might be through some literature. Um, we might do a mailing of great controversies to our area or something. This is all ways of starting to plant the seeds. Um, when a person, many of you I'm sure, how many of you guys did Unlock Revelation at your church? Okay, so good portion of you. Um, for Unlock Revelation, something about evangelistic meetings is they sometimes fall in multiple categories here. Um, for some people who've been coming to church already, some, maybe they've already been in some Bible studies, an evangelistic meeting is harvesting. But for some people, which you probably had quite a few of these maybe in your church, this is their first time in an Adventist church, their first time coming to an, an evangelistic meeting, it's their first time hearing any of this stuff, and you're really just planting seeds, right? Because it's all like brand new to them. So that's why they have to go through it a second time. What we're finding um, at our site, my husband has two churches. We, he preached at our little church, which is um, just a church plant. We have about 20, 25 members attending there. We had like 45 um, people coming to our meetings. <laughs> so we had like three guests for every church member that happened to be there every night, which was fun. Um, we still have about 10 of those who are coming to our follow-up um, study class. And what we found is that because so much of this was so brand new to them, it's a lot for them to take in, right? And they're just like, wow, you know, I, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to, to join your church yet. I'm not quite sure I'm ready for baptism because I, I, I'm still like trying to process all of this, you know, which is honestly fair, right? <laughs> because there's a lot they've just learned. So we needed to take them through the material again. We have to, we planted some seeds, but now we've got to cultivate. So that's what the, the phase two or the Daniel class is doing. We're going through the material a second time on a slower pace in a more interactive, small group kind of environment where we can talk about it, they can ask questions, we can answer questions. 
and now it's real they're really cultivating now they're really growing now they're really getting it now they're like saying wow i this is awesome i love this you know and that's where we're going to be able to then harvest them um, and baptize them so those two planting and cultivating kind of go in lead into each other and in an evangelistic meeting you're seeing a lot of these happening you'll even see an evangelistic meeting the preservation happening because you may have some newer members in your church them going through the meetings again is is solidifying these things that they've recently made decisions about so that's why we need to do meetings every year i think <laughs> because they serve so many purposes in our church for so many different groups of people so cultivation is the study time um, harvesting is what leads to baptism and preservation is that mentoring of the new members so that's why we're using this cycle of evangelism of the growth of the uh, plants to show um, how we make disciples now let's um, look at one more little chart where we compare this with church ministry so minister share study baptize mentor this is more personal ministry okay you can be ministering to one individual a friend you can be sharing some literature with with friends at work you can have a bible study you're giving every week um, you could be helping someone get ready for baptism and mentoring a new member and this is all things you personally are doing but as a church you're doing events that are complementing these areas so in the area of preparing the soil what are some of the things a church can be doing to help prepare the soil of their community? Like health events, cooking classes, community Stop service smoking. center, stop smoking, you know? So things where we're ministering to our community and meeting the felt needs of our community. And the second one, um, planting or sharing, this is where as a church we're out passing out glow literature, we're out um, passing out literature, we're doing some outreach events like that. And then um, in the study area, churches need to be providing training for church members on how to give Bible studies and providing resources for them, lessons and DVDs and materials so that they are equipped to go out and give Bible studies. And then um, church holds a public evangelistic meeting where we're now harvesting those decisions that are being made through those studies and then we're discipling and nurturing those new members. So the church ministry is to be complementing the work of the personal ministry. Now what often sadly happens is that you have churches who maybe are doing some of these, but you don't have much in the personal area happening, okay? And um, that's going to hinder the process. So that's just kind of a little overview of how this um, evangelism process works. Now look here at a couple quotations from Christian Service. This is page 121. One soul is of infinite value, for Calvary speaks its worth. One soul, one to the truth, will be instrumental in winning others, and there will be an ever-increasing result of blessings and salvation. Your work may accomplish more real good than the more extensive meetings if they lack in personal effort. When both are combined with the blessing of God, a more perfect and thorough work may be wrought. But if we can have but one part done, let it be the individual labor of opening the scriptures in households, making personal appeals, and talking familiarly with the members of the family, 
not about things of little importance, but of the great things of redemption. Let them see that your heart is burdened for the salvation of souls. So she's talking about the church here, and she's actually mentioning both types of ministries, the personal work and the church work. Okay, And she says um, when both of these are combined, notice that um, when both are combined with the blessing of God, a more perfect and thorough work can be wrought. But if only one part is done, which should it be? The personal ministry or the church ministry? The personal ministry. Now, that's not what you normally see happening in church. You see church events happening, so they're doing programs, but we see very little personal Bible studies, personal work happening. And she said if only one was to be done, this is the one that should be done. But when they're both done, it's going to be even more successful. Okay? So that's kind of just giving us an idea of how important this personal work is. Now let's look here at the growth cycle. How many of you um, have planted a garden this summer? Okay. Now, how long does it take to get your garden plot ready to plant? The soil. How long does it take to get the soil ready? It takes a little bit of time, right? You got to get some, maybe some fertilizer, maybe some good dirt in there. You got to go out and take your hoe and um, break up the soil because it's kind of sat there and gotten hard all winter, right? So let's say it takes you two or three days, um, or maybe a week. You have a big plot, okay, to get the soil ready to plant, okay? Now, let's say you have um, a garden that's maybe half the size of this room. How long would it take you to plant that? Not, not that long, right? We, we um, don't live in a place right now where we can put in a garden because we're renting, but one of the churches that we rent um, from has a community garden there on the church property. And so we got a little garden plot in that community garden, and we went out and put some tomato plants in, some pepper plants, and some other things I got from Kim, <laughs> and uh, planted all this. And we were out there maybe a couple hours, and we have a, a little garden put in. Okay, so it took us a day, not even a day. Um, so preparing the soil, that doesn't take that long. Planting doesn't take that long. How long does it take for the plants to cultivate? How long is the cultivation stage? Like all summer long, right? <laughs> okay, so you have, and what are you doing during that time? You're weeding and fertilizing and watering and pulling more weeds and trimming and mulching and, and you know, dealing with the bugs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you come to the harvest time and, you know, later in the summer you're starting to pick things and, but this is still a fairly relatively short phase compared to the cultivation. And then you start preserving it. Now that sometimes takes a little bit more time. You're going to do some canning and some freezing and drying and all of that. But in that chart, which phase takes the longest time? It's clearly cultivation. Now that is the same when it comes to um, the spiritual as well. It's the longest and it's the most intensive phase. Because this is where everything that's needed for that plant, sunlight, nutrients, getting rid of the weeds, protecting them from the elements, all of these things are um, important and can take months. In the evangelism cycle, Bible studies are the longest and most labor-intensive phase of the evangelism cycle, right? You can have a cooking school as a seed, or as a um, 
soil preparation um, event in your church and, and that's maybe one night or maybe you're going to do a couple nights a month um, or one, one day a month. Um, and then you have uh, an evangelistic meetings and that takes a little bit more time, right? Because that's going to maybe be four or five weeks as we just kind of all pretty much experience. Mentoring can take some time, but giving a Bible study to a person, most Bible study sets have about 20 to 30 lessons in them, okay? Now, if you're doing one lesson a week, how many weeks is that? We're talking like half a year, <laughs> half a year of giving a Bible study, and that's not missing any weeks because of illness or whatever, vacations. So we're talking about investing in someone for months, okay? It's the longest and it's intense, right? It's a, there's a lot involved in this. And yet, um, this is where people really are growing and applying the word to their life and experiencing that, uh, the nutrients of God's word and learning how to gain power to remove the weeds of false doctrine and bad habits from their life. But when we look at churches, Bible studies is usually the most neglected phase of the evangelism cycle. In your church, how many people have a regular Bible study going? How many people in your church have a regular Bible study going? Well, they do it during prayer meetings, so there's like maybe 15. Okay, so it's like a small group for prayer meeting. But that, again, is a church ministry form of study. That's not the personal Bible study, okay? So if you have a 50-member church, what percentage do you think is probably ha giving regular Bible studies during the week? 2%. Maybe 2%? 2%? Two people out of the 50? Yeah. If? <laughs> so now you can see why it says this is the most neglected phase of the evangelism cycle. Why? Because it's the longest and most intensive labor phase. And I think also people um, are nervous about doing it, scared. They don't think they are qualified or, or they don't have the time or whatever excuses they have. Now, let's talk about the problem with this. In, in the manufacturing industry, a bottleneck is part of the production process where the, there's the slowest rate of output. Okay, so if you're manufacturing and you have people over here putting this part together and these people putting this part together and that's all going fast but then it gets to this part and then they ha it slows down, okay? You don't have as much help and it takes more time. What will happen? You can have lots of work happening on this end but it's all gonna get stuck right there and only this little bit is gonna go out until you open up that bottleneck, right? And then production is gonna happen faster. Well, it's kinda like this funnel, okay? so. Let's think about some of the ways people come into the Adventist church. Okay, so maybe it's a cooking school. Um, they start attending a health event that we have, a regular health outreach. Maybe we do some regular church socials. We do some, some picnics and some different um, church events where people can invite friends to come to. Um, some people come to our church because of literature, things that we have passed out in the community or a mailing we might have done, our community service centers, um, vacation Bible school. There are, and we could put 10, 15 other ideas up there, right? There's lots of ways that people can come into our churches, okay? But in order for a person to become a baptized member, 
they have to do what? They have to take some Bible studies. You, that's one of the things I love about the Adventist church, actually, is that to become a Seventh-day Adventist, you have to take some Bible studies. You have to, be, you have to study. You have to learn first, which is what the Bible tells us to do. Um, yes. That's how I got involved. Matter of fact, I'm being baptized Saturday. And um, I started with Bible study. Amen. Her <laughs> husband was persistent. He said, you want to... Um, Amazing Facts, I did so many that Amazing Facts sent my name to her husband. Uh-huh. And but then we started doing a one-on-one Bible, Bible study. study. Uh-huh. Then when I finished it, he presented me with a Bible and a, a certificate. Amen. And brought her over to the house. And I've done all this. <laughs> I got them in books at my house. Excellent. I, I keep them. And Amen. I just love it. I, yeah. I, I just can't believe so when I called my brother and told him, because he's been a seven-day Adventist for years, my sister turned, she got baptized two, two weeks ago. Amen. Amen. So he was all excited. But this is the best way to do it. And I pass out so much literature, your Bible readings for the home. Yes. I pass out over 300. Amen. And that's a book of Bible studies. I love that book. I wasn't, I wasn't even in the church at that time. And you were still passing out that yes. book. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, and I'm so glad you're here learning how to now give Bible studies because that's how it's going to help you get stronger in your relationship with the Lord and in His Word. And you're going to help other people gain that same experience you just experienced. So, yeah, we be a person to become a member, they go through Bible studies. Now, let's say you have four or five people coming in this way, two or three coming in this way, four or five coming in this way, and now you have like, 20 or 30 people here in the pool. All those 20 or 30 people, before they become a member, have to go through Bible studies, but you just have your pastor and an elder and one other person in the church giving Bible studies. Do you see the problem? You've got 30 people that are potential members, but because you only have three people in the church giving Bible studies, and they can only, because the pastor is very busy, he can only manage two or three Bible studies a week, and your elder can only give one Bible study a week, and the other person is giving one Bible study a week, and you only got five Bible studies going. The other 25 are just going to sit there for a couple of years until they end up drifting back out of your funnel. And you're like, why are we only having five or ten baptisms a year? It's not because you couldn't have more baptisms. It's just there's fewer, too few people giving Bible studies. If you could open this up and you could have 10 Bible studies going or 15 Bible studies going or 20 Bible studies going a week, you would end up like quadrupling or even more your number of baptisms a year. Does that make sense? Uh, this illustration to me, I think, is so fundamental and it really shows why, um, how important it is for more church members to be given Bible studies. And that is why we as a conference are going to be focusing this next year on developing lay people and giving Bible studies. Because this is the key to our churches really growing and keeping everybody um, really on fire for the Lord. So, let's look at this quote from um, Ministry of Healing. This is a very well-known quotation, Christ's Method. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them 
ministered to their needs, won their confidence, then he bade them follow me. Now, how many of you have read that quote before? This is a really well-known quote. And I love this quote because it kind of outlines a path in order to see someone harvested, mingling with them, ministering to their needs, showing sympathy to them, winning their confidence, and then bidding them follow me. Now, some Adventists um, today, sadly, um, are wanting just to focus on compassionate ministry. And they say, oh, you know, let's just hold some cooking classes. Let's just do some um, stop smoking things. Let's do some um, ministries to young mothers and, and we'll do a grief ministry and we'll do all these compassionate ministries and we'll minister to needs and we'll build some relationships and then our churches are going to grow. Well, and there are some conferences that they only really focus on those kind of ministries. Um, they don't do much with the evangelist. I was talking with a lady, a friend of mine, who is a Bible worker. Um, she's living in a, in a, a state um, headed more toward the west side of the country. And uh, she said that her, the church she's attending hasn't held an evangelistic series in 25 years. And her pastor confessed that he has never given Bible studies before and he's not really sure how to do it. <laughs> now, when you have churches have not held a series of meetings in 25 years and even the pastor doesn't know how to give Bible studies, is there any wonder why these churches are not really growing? And yet, the, these same churches will talk about, oh, we want new methods of reaching people. And these new methods are usually all seed sowing or um, soil preparation type of ministries, but not cultivation Bible study ministry. Now, this quotation uh, from Ministry of Healing continues on the next page, and here, we get an example of what Christ's method is in action. Okay, so look at what it says here. Missionary nurses who care for the sick and relieve the distress of the poor will find many opportunities to pray with them, to read to them from God's word, and to speak of the Savior. Many have no faith in God and have lost confidence in man, but they appreciate acts of sympathy and helpfulness. Now this is obviously talking about those areas of Christ's ministry of ministering to their needs and showing sympathy. They see that God cares for them, and then they're prepared to do what? Listen as his word is opened. So the purpose of compassionate ministries is to prepare the heart to have a Bible study. Amen? <laughs> That's what it's leading to. If we don't actually then open up the word, we have fallen short of what all that seed sowing and soil preparation was seeking to accomplish is to prepare their heart to now hear the word. Missionary nurses who care for the sick and release, um, I think I just read that. I have, must have that slide up there twice. Okay, so let's um, look a little bit at the history of where Bible studies actually began. In the Adventist church, prior to 1883, the primary way we did evangelism was either through tent meetings or camp meetings or through passing out literature, okay? But Bible study ministry didn't develop until this camp meeting in Southern California in 1883. And Elder um, Haskell, Stephen Haskell, was preaching one day there at the camp meeting and a big thunderstorm came up um, during his meeting. And 
nobody could hear him because it was raining so hard on the tent. So he had to like, this was of course before they had amplifiers and mics and all of that. So he had to come up with a different way of doing this. So he, he came down off the platform and he invited everybody to come in really close around him. And then he passed out some little cards that had a Bible text on them. And then he would ask a question. And then he'd say, who has the scripture? And he would give them the, the, the reference and then they would read that verse. So he'd ask a question, someone would read a scripture. He'd ask another question, someone would read a scripture. It was basically a question and answer Bible study. <laughs> and that's how he did the rest of his sermon, okay? Now, Ellen White was there at this camp meeting and her son came and told her what Elder Haskell had done in the, in the meeting. And she said, this is in harmony with the Lord has shown me that this is the way Seventh-day Adventists are to share God's word with others through this method of question and answer Bible study. And today, that is the way that we as Adventists have given Bible studies. And we have so many wonderful Bible study materials like you were just mentioning. And, and you will find many other churches don't have materials like that. And that's something that's very unique about our church and, and very beautiful. Here she describes in Testimonies, Volume 9. Now, this is a very pivotal quote, okay? This is basically the key for this presentation. In Visions of the Night, representations passed before me of a great reformatory movement among God's people. Now, reformatory means a change is needed, right? What is this great reformatory movement? A spirit of intercession was seen, even as manifested before the great day of Pentecost. Hundreds and thousands were seen visiting families and opening before them the word of God. This is the reformation she saw in God's church before the end. Hundreds and thousands visiting in families and opening up the word of God. Amen? This is the reformation we desperately need in our churches right now. Hearts were convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and a spirit of genuine conversion was manifest. On every side, doors were thrown open to the proclamation of the truth. Amen. So after that camp meeting, Elder Haskell went back to Battle Creek and he um, started a 10-day Bible reading institute. We would call it Emmanuel Institute today. <laughs> but it was a 10-day Bible reading institute. They advertised it in the Signs of the Times and they invited people to come and learn how to give Bible readings. Now the book Bible Readings for the Home was developed as a result of Elder Haskell and his work with his Bible Reading Institute to give church members simple Bible studies that they could present. Now in the Signs of the Times, there was this little advertisement. It said, not only young men and women are wanted, but men of mature years. Even if their heads are sprinkled with gray hairs, they are none too old to visit families and tell what God has done for them and to read the scriptures. Amen? <laughs> See, here was a way that even those with, with gray in their, hair, ear, in their hair could come and learn how to share the Word of God. It was something that young and old, and that was what was so exciting about it, was it was something every church member could become involved in. Ella White in uh, Christian Service, page 141, says, The plan of holding Bible readings was a heaven-born idea 
there are many, both men and women, who can engage in this branch of missionary labor. So here's the question. When Ellen White said she saw hundreds and thousands visiting families and opening the Word of God, did she see you in her vision? Did she see you in her vision? I pray she saw me. Amen? I want to be one of those that she saw going and visiting families and opening up the Word of God to them. So let me just give you a little preview. You're going to hear a little bit more about this tonight um, and through the rest of camp meeting. But I'm just going to give you a little um, taste of what is coming in our conference related to this Bible study reformation. Because we focused a lot on the harvest phase with Unlock Revelation. We're going to still be doing meetings. But we recognize that a greater harvest comes when you've spent time cultivating, right? Um, when we were out there planting our little um, plot, we were talking with a couple that were in another plot next to us. And they said, yeah, we weren't so good last year. We came and planted and then we did some trips and traveled most of the summer. And man, we, we didn't take good care of this thing and we didn't get a whole lot out of our garden. Just a lot of weeds. And I was like, okay, that's the lesson here. If you don't spend time cultivating, you don't have such a great harvest. So we want to focus on this cultivation phase. So one of the first things we're going to do as a conference is setting up a Bible school. And I have passed out for you. Um, did anyone come in and not get one of these handouts? Okay. So let's look at this little card here, BibleStudyOffer.com. This is a website that is in the works right now that we are creating. And it's going to be a place where we can advertise Bible studies. You can sign up to get free Bible studies. And just like UnlockRevelation.com was like a website that we put on billboards. You saw those billboards around the state. <laughs> and the car magnets and the glow tracks and, and everything. That's what's going to happen with BibleStudyOffer.com is it's going to be advertised around the state and you're going to be able to advertise it in your own area. And then as people request these Bible studies, there's going to be church members who've been trained to go out and bring them the Bible lessons and start these Bible studies. Okay, So that's the first thing is setting up this um, Bible study school. Now there are two options here as you can see on your card. The one is the Landmarks of Prophecy ones with Doug Bachelor. This is more of a DVD set where they have each DVD, I think, has two, um, a couple programs on it. So they would get two lessons and the DVD, and they can watch that, do the lessons. And the other is using the It Is Written study guides, which some of you may have used during your Unlock Revelation as your handouts, um, these lessons. So these are the two options that people are going to be able to choose from. And they're going to be able to see the, the differences between them and, and select which one that they would like. And then they select a study option. And there are several different options for them. One of them is a group study where there's a weekly DVD watched with a study guide hosted by a study leader. So people who signed up for this option, you could have a small group study in your home where you can study with these individuals. You watch the DVD, you pop in the DVD, you watch Doug Bachelor preach, everyone's filling in their lessons, and then afterwards you have a little discussion about it, and then you send everybody home. And 
It's pretty easy because Doug did most of the work. <laughs> you just provided the location and the friendly face and maybe some drinks and water or whatever. Um, that's the group study option. Then you have um, the one-on-one -on -one study um, with the other lessons. And this is more a, a sit-down type of Bible study. You're going through the lesson, going through the material, um, more what you would think of as a traditional Bible study. And then both um, lessons, you could do a personal study option, which is where the person is doing the lessons on their own. Now, there will probably be a lot of people who will sign up for this option because it seems maybe a little bit more conducive to their work schedule or it seems less um, threatening. <laughs> um, but we will be providing training on even how to follow up with these individuals so that when you're bringing their next lessons, you're able to, you have certain questions you're going to be asking them about the lesson you brought them last to make sure they're doing it and that they're actually learning something. So it's more of a drop-off type of Bible study, but there's still going to be a personal element to it because we really want to make sure they're growing in their, in their understanding. So... This is what's coming down, and it's exciting. Yes. Um, a way to generate a lot of uh, Bible studies. Would, they, would we hand these out? Yes. So these cards, um, and Jim is going to be probably discussing this a lot from up front. These are going to be, um, you'll have cards like this that you can have. Let's say you do a cooking school. You can have some of these cards there, and you'll be asking people, have you heard about our Bible school? And having them sign up right there for whatever option interests them. Or you have a fair booth, you have them there. You have a vacation Bible school, you have them there. Every event you have, you have them there. <laughs> Everything you do, you have those there. You've always got this option for people to um, request these Bible studies. Church visitors that come through your church. Um, you have a little gift packet and you say, hey, have you heard about our Bible school? And you sign people up right then. So this could be used door-to-door in -door, um, outreach. There will be lots of different ways they can be used. When are they turned on when I have the site open? It will probably be open this summer sometime. Yeah, it, it's, it's in the works, so it's, it's probably not going to be that far. You know, um, I think this is excellent because I was asking a couple of years ago, I said, well, well you, you join 10 peoples in the church. What do you do after you after they say, okay, I accept Jesus at Christ, and then what happened to them? Mm -hmm. You got to have some, I mean, it, you, they come in for help, but then you say, okay, you're a part of the church. But then how do you keep that going? Because yeah. once they go back out the door, Satan is right there waiting for them. That's right. You know, and so, but if you have, like you said, if it's a one-on-one -on -one or a group, you can... Mm -hmm. Go to that person and say, well, you know, you got, you built this out. Would you like for me to come and talk to you and sit down and study with you? Mm -hmm. It's so much better. And that way, like you said, we get more baptism and more people in the church mm -hmm. that has that hunger. That's, See, that's right. That's what started me with. I had a hunger. Amen. You know, and the more I studied, the more I wanted to study. And the yes. more I, I, I ate, I wanted more food. Amen. And 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 now that I've I've had this food, I want to pass this food around. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> Amen. And that's what we want to have all of our members fired up like that. And and you know, when we start giving Bible studies, we do get more excited about this. You know, you are like, wow, this is so awesome. I have to keep sharing this. So. Now, do you know there's three ways to get a Bible study? Mm -hmm. You ask in the morning, ask in the afternoon, <laughs> ask in the evening. 
You just ask. <laughs> That's how you get a Bible study. You know what? I honestly believe that people um, are more likely to say yes than no. And that we, we might be afraid to ask because they might say yes. <laughs> but <laughs> if we ask and offer, people will, especially when we can show them what we're offering them. You know, sometimes I would go door to door and I would just take two study guides with me. Um, as samples, okay? And I would say, you know, we're offering some free Bible study guides. These are just beautiful, and they really are designed for busy people. And you just look up the verse in your own Bible, and you write in the answer, and you will just learn so much about so many of the questions you might have had about the Bible. And you let them, like, look at it and say, well, do you have an interest in these free Bible study guides? You know what happens? They're like, yeah, those look really good. The truth is that churches don't have things like this. So when they see our materials and they look so nice and they look so beautiful and they're like, wow, these would be, look really good, they will say yes. Many times people say no to what they don't know. But if you can show them what you're offering them and they can see the benefit they would gain from it, they will say yes. And you could go down a street and get come back with 10 Bible studies. <laughs> it happens. So as a conference, we're going to be having a Just Ask initiative that just starts with one very simple question. Have you heard about our Bible school? And once this, once this website's up and you've set up a Bible school in your church, this is all you have to do. And you could be out, out having dinner at the restaurant and ask your waiter, have you heard about our church's Bible school? And, and, and leave one of these with your tip or whatever. Sign them up right there on the spot. You'll carry them with you everywhere. They're, they're going to be creating a glow track for BibleStudyOffer.com too. So that will be like um, kind of like we had the little Unlock Revelation ones offering this website. All right, so I'm going to kind of skip past a little of this right now just um, because you're going to be hearing more about it at the um, meeting tonight. Now, let's talk about some other ways that we can find an interest. This is going to be an awesome way, but um, this isn't out just yet. So I'm going to share with you a couple other ones. Um, some of the different groups of people that are potentials for um, inviting to do Bible studies. Anybody who is regularly attending your church that's not a member, whether that's an unbaptized children or youth, non-member spouses, people who have just have been regularly coming. These people are great candidates for asking for Bible studies. Because you already know them by name or by face, even because they've been coming to your church regularly or semi-regularly, they already have a lot of prejudices removed, you know? So these are great people to even just to start practicing giving a Bible study on, okay? So if you have people who are attending any of your events or things at your church, these are ones that I would start with um, because many times they may never have been asked to do a Bible study. Think of, for example, uh, a non-member spouse who's attending church with their Adventist spouse. Their spouse is not the one usually to give that Bible study, right? Because it's just very sensitive <laughs> situation, right? But that spouse would probably love it. You know, let's say the Adventist lady's coming to church and her non-Adventist husband comes with her. She would probably love it if another Adventist man in the church would approach her husband and say, Hey, George, 
what do you say about us doing a Bible study together? I'm wanting to get some more practice giving Bible studies, and I really like you, and we're friends. Why don't we get together and, and let me do a Bible study with you? And he could probably say yes. And his wife would be like, praise the Lord. Somebody asked my husband to study the Bible. <laughs> you know, why don't we do this? Now, the people could say, no, I'm not ready for that right now. But there will be people who will say yes. And if we would just ask. So, so ask these that are already attending your church, already coming. Um, church visitors. This is another great, so when you have new people who are popping into your church, um, we did a little mailing at our church in Brighton, and uh, this was this last Sabbath, I heard. There was um, a person who showed up at the church from that mailing and said, you know, is Pastor Steve here? Of course, he was here at camp meeting. <laughs> um, but these people who just kind of walk into your church from off the street, and we, we try to be friendly to them and all of that, don't let them leave without having had an opportunity to be invited to do Bible studies. Now, having a car like this is going to make that easy, right? Say, have you heard about our Bible school? We have this great Bible school. Let me show it to you. And just right then, because now you're following up on them and getting them involved right away. Family, friends, or community acquaintances, a rich resource for Bible studies. And then, of course, all your church ministries, such as your cooking classes or your um, community service center or your outreach events. So let's just talk about a couple of the ways that you could ask for Bible studies using the approach of your Bible school. So here's just a few canvases, and I think I put these in your handout. Let me just double check. Yeah, I did. Okay, so you don't have to write these down. Ways to ask. So with your Bible school, have you heard about our Bible school? Or I'm a volunteer with a new Bible school and just begin to describe it a little bit. Would you be interested in one of our free lesson courses? This is an approach you could take with anyone in the community that you're interacting with. Um, I'm a volunteer with a new Bible school, and would you be interested and have a card to show them what those options are? My church has a new Bible school that offers free DVDs and study guides, and they're asking every member to find someone to take one of the courses. Would you be willing to give it a try? Yes, it's all on your handout on page two. Oh, okay. Yep, they're all there on page two. So these are different approaches you could take using the, the medium of you have a Bible school. Now let's look at another way, offering benefits to them. I recently came across a set of Bible study guides designed for busy people that answer the most commonly asked questions about the Bible. I'd like to go through them, wondering if you would have an interest in doing them with me. Okay, so here you're showing them that these lessons will answer lots of questions about the Bible, and I'm looking for a friend to do it with me, okay? And so this one's kind of a mix between offering benefits and requesting the favor, which is another approach that you can take. Create curiosity. This is one I really like. The other morning, I was doing some Bible study on, mention a chapter or a topic. It was really fascinating. You know, I just want to share it with someone. Would you be willing to meet this week so I could share with you what I discovered? It will just amaze you. Now, if you're studying your Bible regularly, you should be constantly finding things in the Word of God that you're getting excited about, right? And you need someone to share that with. Now, you may think, oh, I've got to share it with my Adventist friends. No, go find a non-Adventist friend to share it with, <laughs> amen? <laughs> and say, 
I haven't seen something awesome in the Word of God, and I just can't wait to share it with someone. And I thought of you. Would you be willing for me to share it with I, what God has shown me? And use that as a way to, they'll feel honored that you thought of them, and they may be curious enough to know what that thing was that they'll meet with you. Here's requesting a favor. Remember Jesus' approach with the woman that was at the well. Um, he asked her for a drink of water, right? And that favor broke down her prejudice about him being a Jew and her being a Samaritan. If he had come right out and said, can I give you a Bible study? She probably would have said no. <laughs> but because he said, I'm thirsty, could I have a glass of water? She's like, oh, that's something I could do for you. And in that process, he was enabled to start a spiritual conversation with her. So requesting a favor. Sometimes a person doesn't feel a spiritual need themselves, but they like you. You've done so many nice things for them. They would like to return the favor in some way. And so when you request a favor, they're willing to do it for you because they, they want to do something nice for you. And it, it can work. Um, I do a lot of volunteer at Carriagetown Homeless Shelter. And um, I've been dealing with them since I came from Florida originally. And I've only been here six years in Michigan. And I was just telling her, I mean, um, me and the lady that does the volunteer services is real close. I'm going to ask her, can I hold one once a week at the shelter? Yes. No. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a couple of uh, shelters in the area. you got a plan. <laughs> Amen. You have a plan to go home and start a Bible study. Amen. Okay, so here asking a favor. I'm looking for someone who would be interested in studying the Bible together with me, and they thought of you. Would you be interested in meeting once a week for an hour or so to study God's Word? It's a very, very simple request. Here's another one. I'm trying to gain more experience giving Bible studies. I have this lesson called, Can God Be Trusted? That's actually the title of this first lesson. And I need someone to practice giving it to. Would you be willing to let me practice my Bible study on you? <laughs> you know, remember back when you were in school? That might have been a while ago. But when you were in school, you had to practice things, right? My sister's in nursing school right now. And she's having to practice taking blood pressures and all that stuff. So what is she looking? She's looking for guinea pigs to practice on, right? <laughs> it's the same way when you're learning to give Bible studies. Um, you learn giving Bible studies by getting practice. And if you're feeling nervous about following up on some interest of somebody you don't know and some name that's going to be handed to you that you don't know anything about, get some practice practicing on somebody you do feel comfortable around. You know, that friend at work or that neighbor or, or that person that you know that you're friends with, but you've never really done anything really, really spiritual together or you've ne they've never come to church or anything. But ask, would you let me practice this Bible study on you? Because I'm wanting to gain some experience because I've just I'm going to be volunteering with this Bible school that's starting called BibleStudyOffer.com. And people are going to be requesting Bible studies, and I'm going to be going into their homes, and I'm going to be giving Bible studies. And I need to get some practice before I start doing that. And I need someone to practice on. Can I practice on you? <laughs> and let ask if you could just do one Bible study for them. A um, few years ago, well, it's maybe 10 years ago, I was in Muskegon, Michigan, doing a class on giving Bible studies. And I told the class, I said, I'm going to give you an assignment. Here's a Bible study on Daniel 2 and why we can trust the Bible. We practiced the, the study in our class, and I said, now this is your assignment for the week. You've got to go and ask someone 
if you can practice giving this Bible study to them. Just one study. So one of the guys that was in that class went to work. He worked at a, an auto mechanic. And he asked one of the other guys in, at the garage, you know, I'm taking this class on giving Bible studies, and I have this assignment. I'm supposed to practice giving this Bible study to somebody. Would you let me give this Bible study to you during our lunch break so I can fulfill this assignment for this class I'm taking? Well, his friend said, yeah, sure, why not? So he kind of humored him. So they sat down together at lunchtime. He got out his Bible, and he started going through the Bible study with him. The guy was so into it. He was, like, really get, enjoying it. He's like, wow, I didn't know the Bible said all of that. The end of the Bible study, he's like, so what are we going to study next week? <laughs> so he comes to the class. He's like, I only know how to give the one Bible study. And I said, well, you were successful. You just practiced one Bible study, and it gained his interest. Now you've got a weekly Bible study. Amen? Amen. <laughs> just from asking for a favor and requesting. So this method works, and I would encourage you to go do it. You know, maybe it's just a young person in your church, a teenager, or maybe it's one of your children, or maybe it's an elderly person in your church, or just go practice giving Bible studies. Go visit one of the elderly people in your church who don't get out to church very often and say, can we do a Bible study? I'm trying to gain some experience giving a Bible study. Can I practice this Bible lesson on you? And you will, um, you'll gain more confidence, and you'll be blessing people all along the way. When you ask for a Bible study, speak enthusiastically and positively. Describe the benefits they're going to receive. Show that you're sensitive to their unique situation. Maybe their work schedule. Maybe their spouse isn't as spiritually inclined as they are, and they would feel uncomfortable with you coming to their home because of their spouse. So take those kind of things into consideration and try to find a way to um, work through those. Always assume that they're going to say yes and relax. Because what's the worst that could happen? No, I'm not really interested in that or I'm not ready for that. That's okay. But just the fact that you asked, later on they might be ready. Later on they may go back and say, you know, I really probably should do that Bible study. Or when later on when they do have a more of a spiritual interest, they're going to remember that you offered, okay? And then they can come back and say, you know, I'd like to take you up on that offer that you made for the Bible studies. So it never hurts to ask, to always ask. Now let's talk about Unlock Revelation because um, you all had people come to your meetings who didn't um, finish, right? Maybe they came the first couple nights, um, then they dropped out. Or maybe they pre-registered but never actually showed up. There was lots of people like that, okay? All of these are potential Bible studies. So what can you do? Go home, talk with your pastor, and say, can we follow up on these leads that came to our meetings or pre-registered for our meetings? And then I would go to their home. And in fact, I think I put in here. Did I put it in here? Yes. Page four. Go to page four. I put a little sample canvas in here on following on up Unlock Revelation leads. You, you could do this for any kind of evangelistic meeting um, that you had. But you just go to the door and say, hi, my name is Stacy. Are you, you know, the name of the person that you're trying to follow up? 
And if they say yes, say it's a pleasure to meet you, then say who you're with. We're with Unlock Revelation, a Bible prophecy series that was held this spring. And we're out visiting individuals either pre-registered for that or who maybe attended a few sessions. And you, I would encourage you to maybe to take uh, something that has that image on it. I'm sure you've got something left at your church that has that picture on it. Just for visual recognition because they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay. And then um, ask them, you know, what did you think of the presentations you attended? if you know that they came some, or were you able to attend any of the sessions? And then here's the offer that you're making them. Because of your int interest in Unlock Revelation, we have something free we would like to make available to you. We have a series of free study guides that unlock the prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation. And these are some of the best lessons ever printed on this topic. And then you give them the lesson. Now, you could use, um, you could use whatever lessons you really have at your church. You could use um, Landmarks of Prophecy. You could use the um, Daniel Seminar Lessons, the Prophecy Seminar Lessons that a lot of churches are using as the follow-up. Um, you could use Prophecies of Hope Lessons, um, which is another great set of lessons on Revelation. But you're now offering them like another way to get the same information. You know, maybe your schedule didn't allow you to come. Um, when I visited in the first week of the meetings began, I went and visited some of those pre-registrations and some of them were sick, something had come up in their family, you know, and then they just didn't make it out. But that doesn't mean they still don't have an interest, okay? So if we come to them and say, you know, we've got some of that same material um, and we've got DVDs you can watch and we have lessons or we just have these study guides, would you like to get some of the same material um, this way? we would probably have quite a few who would say yes. And then that's a way to get Bible study started with them. You can even bring them um, a free little gift or something if you want, like a, a final events DVD or something like that. Or I have sometimes followed up on these and brought them um, Amazing Facts Daniel Revelation magazine, which is really nice. What if they only have a P.O. box and you don't? have their address so you can't go to their home yeah when people pre-register sometimes they did that and they didn't give us a phone number or anything you could send them um you could send them a mailing of like one of those cards and then just say write a note to them mm -hmm. yeah absolutely sometimes we got email addresses for some people so you could maybe email them um it's always best though if you have a personal interaction they're less likely to turn it down that's been my experience so these are some really great um, ways to do this and I would look at that little canvas there to give you some ideas now another way you can always get Bible studies is to doing a mailing of Bible study request cards and these um, I usually use ones from seminars unlimited um, Let's see which cards. It is written has one as well that offers the um, their less the, those lessons these lessons, and I got some from them and they put on the card a a little um, thing that says Lakes, which is our church. So anytime these cards are mailed to it is written, they mail them direct to our church. So, um, and I believe this is the method that is being described in that it is written 
Bible school class that's being held in the morning that he mentioned earlier. But when you get um, a card back like this, you follow up with the card. You take the card with you to the, to the door and you um, show it to the person. You say, you know, are you D Diane? And we got this card in the mail where you were requesting these free Bible study guides. And we we're just here to bring you your first lessons. And you give them their lessons right then. And you explain how they will fill them out and make sure they have a Bible. And then you leave those lessons with them and say, now, would this time next week be a good time where I could bring you the next couple study guides and set up that next appointment? And I often like to say, you know, when I come back, um, I'm going to just ask you a few questions about the lessons. Make sure you understood them. If you have any questions about them as you go through, um, write those questions down. We'll discuss them. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week. And you, but the, here's the key with, when it comes to following up on leads like this. Be consistent. Be consistent. Go back the next week at that time if you promised, told them you would be there. You know, don't forget about it. Follow up with them. If you don't catch them home, go back. I had a lady who um, I went to visit prior to the meetings. She had attended one or two meetings from the last Unlock Revelation meeting we had done two years before. And she'd only come like the first three nights. Okay, So prior to our meetings, we went and visited all those people who had been to a previous meeting. And we told them that you had come to this meeting before. We have another event coming up. That's in a couple months. So in the meantime, we've got some free study guides that people can go through. And we gave her the lesson. And when I would go back the next week, sometimes she wasn't there, sometimes she didn't answer, whatever. And I kind of got a little discouraged with her, honestly. Um, but I kept going. That lady started coming to our Unlock Revelation series. And she came through the entire thing. <laughs> And she thanked me so much. She's like, I'm so glad you kept coming over to my house. I'm glad you kept bringing those Bible lessons. Because she's like, I really had enjoyed those first presentations I had heard before, but I wasn't able to finish that series. And this time around, I was able to go through the whole thing. And I'm really glad that you followed up on me. So these are people that have an interest, but when we just go visit them, we can develop that. So that's another really great way. Um, another great um, source for Bible studies is through following up some of the interests that are in correspondence schools through ministries like Amazing Facts or Discover um, or it is written. If you contact Amazing Facts, and I have this information in your um, handout, if you contact Amazing Facts, tell them that your local church wants to follow up on interests from their Bible school that are within your area and you provide the zip codes that your church um, is responsible for and the conference can give you that. They will send you a list of anyone in your area within the last however um, many years you tell them um, who've done their lessons. And I followed up on a lady about six months ago or the end of last year who had actually graduated from the Amazing Facts Bible course. And it took me about two months to find her home. I must have been at her house like 10 times. She never was home. And I left some stuff in her door a couple times, but I kept going back. I was like, I'm gonna eventually find this lady home. And I did, and when I did go, I said, you know, um, 
I'm worth amazing, working with Amazing Facts, and I understand you've taken the Amazing Facts Bible study course, and I showed her one of these lessons. Of course, she immediately recognizes it. And um, so I started talking with her. She's been watching Doug Batchelor on TV and all of this. And I said, you know, we have a, um, another course from Amazing Facts called Landmarks of Prophecy. And I showed her these lessons, and she was interested in doing them. So I left her the first two lessons. And anyways, <laughs> interestingly, she said, you know, I wrote Amazing Facts, and I told them that I'd be interested in a Sabbath-keeping church in my area. Um, but she says, the nearest one is in Farmington Hills, and that's a little too far away. And I said, well, actually, we just started a church plant in this area. It's actually like a minute from your house. <laughs> and she's like, no way. And at that point, she got scared. I mean, I invited her to the church and everything, and that she wouldn't come. And later she told me, she's like, I asked, I had told the Lord I would like to go to an Adventist church. But when I found out there was one like right there in my town, I freaked. <laughs> but... We started going through the lessons every week. We started Bible studies together. And when Unlock Revelation came, well, actually before that, um, she started attending church. She started coming to church for a few months, came to the meetings, went through the meetings, and was baptized at the end of the meetings. Amazing Facts leads are really, really great leads, <laughs> as you are a testament. They, they do thorough work with people. So they are already, in many times, are already made decisions on a lot of these topics. You're just kind of clearing them. And they're the, some of the funnest Bible studies. So I would get some of these names and follow up with them. Just yeah. a question, because I had a situation where the Amazing Facts had sent out uh, someone that had studied the lessons. Uh-huh. And I saw the phone and called the individual, and she, made, she shut down immediately. Yeah. you just go cold call? I cold call. I never call ahead of time. Because I think of how I would feel if someone called me, I'd be like nervous and scared and I'd freak out, you know? But if, if someone's coming to my door, they're bringing something legitimate. I mean, I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, I know those materials, <laughs> you know? And I'm, you know, I'm talking familiarly about something that they know that I would only know about if I was connected with it. And I'm friendly and I've got a big smile on my face and it, it's totally different. So. I almost never cold call. I mean, almost never call ahead. Always cold call. Always. And even when people were coming to our meetings, I would visit with them. I wouldn't call them ahead of time. I just went. Yeah. It's so much more effective. And you, because I really believe that some of those people are good interests, and we lose them by doing that. So that's just been my experience. I've given you in your um, handout another little canvas for just going door-to-door -door offering lessons. And we just have a couple minutes left, so I want to just take the next couple minutes um, just dealing with this one topic. Who are you with? Because <laughs> this is probably one of the biggest questions you'll get when you offer Bible studies to a person who doesn't know who you are, is who are you with? And this is the questions they're asking. Um, are you safe to study with? They want to make sure you're not Jehovah's Witness, you're not Mormon, you're not some kind of fringe group. They, they may be wondering why you want to study with me. Um, you trying to convert me to your church. You know, they may not actually state some of these questions, but there's sometimes questions that are going through their head. And if we can help take some of that anxiety away, it's so much better. Now, we've been given instruction in the spirit of prophecy, that we don't have to always come out right out and say we're Seventh-day Adventists. That we can use some discretion 
um, in that. And there are times I do mention I'm Adventist and sometimes I don't bring it up unless they ask about it, okay? Because we don't want people to develop a prejudice until we've given them a chance to see that what we're presenting is straight from the Word of God. So I have, I'm not going to take the time to read through that whole thing, but if you're following up Ali, let's say through Amazing Facts, or um, maybe you're representing the Bible study offer, um, just tell them that I'm partnering with a Christian ministry called Amazing Facts. They provide Bible study resources for peoples of all different faiths, and they're the ones that produce these materials. That's all accurate, and it tells them who you're with and why you're at their door. Okay? If they ask what church you're with, you can tell them you're a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, but you're going to find that these lessons are designed for people of every faith because it's just scriptures interpreting scriptures. The goal of these Bible studies is to teach you how to study the Bible for yourself so you're not dependent on a church or a minister to understand it. I think it's important for people to realize that we are there to help them be independent studying the Word for themselves. Our goal is not to have them follow a church, it's to have them follow the Lord Jesus, right? We're not there to interpret the scriptures for them, we're there to help them to learn how to interpret the scriptures for themselves. And if we can share some of these things, we will help them to realize, oh, this is something that is going to make me become independent and maybe understand my, the Bible for my own self. And so those are things that I like to help people realize that we're going to be providing for them. If someone asks about my church, I like, I got this from Gary Gibbs in his book, Winsome Witnessing, but I think this is a very easy way to explain an Adventist. If someone's never heard of an Adventist, this is an easy way to mention the four C's. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, creator of the world. That separates you from Jehovah's Witnesses that don't believe Jesus is Christ, okay? Number two, we believe in the cross that Jesus loved us so much he came and died for us. We believe that in believing in him, accepting his grace, we have eternal life. You won't find an evangelical out there that disagrees with that, okay? So already you're mentioning two things that they have no objection to. Number four, we believe, or number three, we believe in the commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And because we love him, we want to obey him. Now you could mention that that's why we go to church on Saturday, the Bible Sabbath, you know, if that's something you want to include. But the commandments is something that we believe in. And the fourth one is that Jesus is coming soon. And that's why we like to study prophecy a lot, because it tells us um, how to prepare for his coming, help others prepare. So four very easy things. You've mentioned what Adventists believe, and these are things that many people can um, agree with. And then after, just whenever I've done that, people are like, Oh, okay, and you just see they relax, you know, it's like, okay, you're not, uh, you're not a Jehovah's Witness, you're not, you know, like, oh, we, we believe the same way, okay, and now they're like more ready to hear what you have to say. So sometimes people, when they hear Seventh-day Adventists, they don't know anything about us, and so they lump us with what they think they know we are. <laughs> so just to explain a little bit about who we are, uh, what we believe can help take away some of that fear. Our, uh, I'm going to just end with this um, right here. Our purpose in giving Bible studies is to make them, first of all, a follower of Jesus, not a follower of a church. Amen? Second is to teach them how to study the Bible for themselves so they're not dependent on their priest or minister or friends or anyone else to know what the Bible says. 
And their third purpose is to encourage them to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit as He guides them in Bible truth. I believe that if we share these purposes with a person, that it will take away their fears. And it also is guiding them in the right way. Because if they are doing those, the Lord will guide them to His truth. He will guide them to His church. And I'm not there telling them, I'm here to convert you, make you a Seventh-day Adventist. No, I'm here to help you to follow Jesus and His Word and listen to the Holy Spirit as you're studying it. And then He will do the rest in guiding you. Yeah. There's probably a little bit more in there that we didn't get to, but that's why you have a handout to take home. So let's um, pray, and then we will close. Dear God, thank you, Lord, for our time together today looking at this very important but often neglected part of the cycle evangelism, cultivation. Lord, I pray that each person here will make a commitment to be part of this Bible study reformation and that they will go home and ask someone for a Bible study. And I pray that even right now you'd be preparing that person that they're to ask and that they will gain so many blessings as they start that study. Lord, keep us in your care until we can get together tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.